Hello and welcome to Create Talk Repeat. My name is Dustin Brenton. On today's episode, I spoke with Allison Horner, an artist, illustrator, graphic designer, and now visual communications department chair at Ivy Tech Community College in Columbus, Indiana. We discuss her love of drawing animals from a young age, how being a design professor fuels her creativity, and how beautiful camels are, especially when adorned with beads and ribbons and so forth. But before we get to that interview, here's a word from our sponsor. Stay tuned. Hey, if you enjoy this podcast, visit anchor.fm. It's a great way to build your own podcast and get paid while doing it. That's anchor.fm. Back to the show. Hello, and today on Create, Talk, Repeat, we have Allison Horner. Allison, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dustin. It's great to be here. Well, I, it is great to be here. Thanks. It's always great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always ask everybody that joins uh, joins the podcast, the very first question is just a very simple question of, what do you create? I create a lot of things. Uh, so I started in the fine arts, and I've been drawing and painting for most of my life. Uh, but I've also gotten into graphic design, illustration, and mural painting as well. Well, we we have Allison here because she does some amazing art and illustration work. Um, but also, Allison is the visual communications uh, department chair. Is that your correct title um, at at right. Ivy Tech Community College in Columbus? So that's how I got to know Allison, um, and that's kind of a common theme with some of the people that I have on here is through Ivy Tech. So uh, you're you're <laughs> not alone in that. But uh, this is our our. Uh, another educator that we have here uh, on on Create Talk Repeat. So, but your your illustrations and your art um, is phenomenal, and we will we'll dive into that uh, a little more in a bit. Um, when did you start creating? Like, is it was this something that you did as a child that you were always sketching and drawing, or was it something that kind of evolved over time? I have always drawn. Um, so all kids draw, really. All kids are have a drive to create. And right. I just never, I never stopped. So I, I just kept going. And it's always been a focus of mine throughout my childhood. I made it a priority. And I was very lucky because, fortunate, I should say, because my parents um, saw that I had how much joy and satisfaction that I got from this. And so they always encouraged me. And they encouraged me both direct, directly um, in direct ways by like showing up at artist receptions or like, mm -hmm. you know, every time that I presented something at school, they were always there. And then they, you know, they would buy me like how to draw horses books when I was a kid or like how to draw dinosaurs, you know, because I was really into dinosaurs. Um, so they, they were extremely supportive and, uh, and I, I, I owe a lot to them. Now, were your, were your parents artistic? Did they paint or have music or were they anything, anything like that? My, my parents are both really creative in different ways. Um, my, my dad is a, uh, he's a problem solver and mm. in, in his current work. And so I would say that he expresses his creativity in probably um, a less obvious way, but he's very creative. 
my mom is one of those people who is good at everything she applies herself to. So she's, <laughs> she, <laughs> she has a lot of interests and she was extremely creative when I was growing up. Uh, everything from making our, our clothes to Halloween costumes and, you know, um, but she also did things like drawing and painting when I was growing up as well. And so I, I would watch her a lot mm -hmm. and learn from her. Did you learn how to draw animals from your how to draw horses book is that <laughs> uh, yeah you have well, such I a have... great style with, with animals uh, in your work i love drawing animals because they're so expressive and uh i just i get a lot of inspiration from the natural world uh horses is where it started for me a lot of little girls are into horses um sure. and so i just i found them you know, beautiful and inspiring and kind of scary. And I think mm -hmm. I, I I was really drawn to that. Um, but yeah, way, I, that's a good way to put it. They're beautiful and scary. <laughs> they are. I, I find them scary. <laughs> I like I don't like writing them. I like looking at them. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm highly allergic to horses. So like, really? they're what? scary in a whole different way for me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I get, I can't, I can't breathe. I can't talk. I get around them. I, I used to love riding them and then, and then I, I quit. I quit. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's a, that's a story for another time. Um, so you, you said you were always drawing growing up. I assumed you did the, um, you know, art classes in, in high school and, and, you know, painting classes and whatnot. Did, um, and, uh, you went to, uh, uh, SCAD, am I right? I did. I did, yeah, and I had a fantastic experience there. What did you What did you major in when you were there? Uh, so I majored in painting, so in the fine arts department, and um, I majored. I, I have my a BFA in painting, and then I have a minor in portrait arts because I was very intent. I love. I do absolutely love uh, drawing people. I love figure drawing. Mm. Um, I don't do as much of it anymore as I used to, but it's still a real love for me. Yeah, I'm always impressed with when people can I'm impressed with anybody who does anything creative, but especially when somebody can do uh, creation that looks uh, like like the human form or even in animals as well, something that looks realistic. Because, you know, as I've mentioned in, on this podcast a few times, my art that I create is very uh, abstract, geometric shapes. And it's for a couple of reasons. One, I really like that style. But two, I know my limitations and I just know that I just can't. I'm not going to draw a bowl of fruit. I just can't do it. And my brain wants to, but my hands won't do it. And, uh, and so whenever I see somebody who creates, uh, something that actually looks like a person and you have, you have this one, uh, piece of work that's on your website. Um, and it's a, a bunch of children, it's a children's choir. It's mm -hmm. a bunch of expressive mm -hmm. kid faces. Um, yeah. uh, the website is ajhorner.com. If anybody wants to go see it, um, has these, um, really expressive faces on it and they look you know lifelike and it's how what is that just was that just pencil sketches with charcoal how'd you how'd you do that that is all in graphite so yeah pencil um mm -hmm. and i i was living in india at the time uh, my parents are in the state department so they were posted there for a few years and when i graduated from scad i needed something to do and so i went over there to live for a couple of years and our neighbors um, were involved in the local school um, local school orga school organizations for kids and they had invited me to this uh, kind of children's assembly and I brought my camera with me and I 
had permission to take pictures and mm -hmm. I just, yeah, <laughs> was really inspired by these four and five year olds who are trying to sing in unison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it really, it looks like a kid's choir where they're all looking yeah. in different directions and they're, yeah. you know, you, you, you hope they're in tune, but they're, they're probably busier, busier looking and waving at mom and dad in the audience. So exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So what what drew you to the Savannah College of Art and Design? Like out of, I mean, it's a fantastic place to be. Uh, it's a beautiful campus, beautiful uh, city to be in. Um, mm -hmm. were you, are you from that area or where did you grow up? I grew up in Ohio, in Dayton, Ohio. And we left when I was 16, when my parents uh, started working for the Foreign Service. Uh, so I haven't been back there in a long time, actually. But I was drawn to Savannah I think because of my high school uh, art teacher, Mr. Brock, <laughs> mm -hmm. he had recommended that I look at that school. And um, I think he, he knew that I was really intent on going into the fine arts and SCAD has a, a very robust fine arts program. Uh, so I took a look at the faculty that were teaching there. I took a look at the student work. The campus uh, yeah. is beautiful it is. and uh, yeah. It's one of those in. places. It's one of those places I wish I would have known about when I was, uh, you know, seventeen, eighteen years old, going to college, and I didn't, I didn't learn about SCAD until later on. Um, but uh, I'm glad, I'm glad I went to Ivy Tech and did what I, what yeah. I did, and I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for that. But, um, but yeah, SCAD is is uh, is a, a tremendous campus. Um, at what point did you, uh, I don't want to say pivot because you still do illustrations and art stuff, but at what point did you start getting into graphic design? Because there's kind of a, 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 a different mindset when you're doing art and illustration, I think, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. Yes. <laughs> then, and then when you go into more of a, a commercial side and doing typography and doing uh, work for clients, how, how, when did you make that transition? I began to make that transition when I moved back to the United States uh, after living in India for a couple of years. And I, at the time, was waiting tables and just kind of living paycheck to paycheck, trying to pay off student loans, <laughs> which sure. from, from SCAD, you know, it's a great school, but it's uh, very expensive. Right. So um, I was struggling and I met Lloyd Brooks and Jonathan Wilson mm -hmm. uh, through my partner, actually, who was going to Ivy Tech at the time. And he suggested, why don't you try enrolling in this program and see if you can get some skills uh, to to add to what you already have, some applicable skills in graphic design so that you can earn some money doing this creative work. And I was like, OK, <laughs> so so I did. Uh, and that's where my relationship with Ivy Tech starts. Um, yeah, so that was that was almost 10 years ago now. It's been a while. That's that's the uh, that's that's the second time Lloyd Brooks's name has come up on this podcast. So <laughs> I, I said that we're going to have to get him on. I've actually I've actually reached yes, out to him. He will. wants to do it, but he's he's now yeah. uh, on on uh, out of the country right now. So we'll we'll get him at some point. And and uh, another shout out uh, and a shout out to Jonathan Wilson. That's uh, mm -hmm. he was he was uh, there when I was at Ivy Tech. He's a, a phenomenal photographer and just a, a great person and just a fun person to be around and he's one of the reasons why i ended up at ivy tech when i went to that school uh just to visit on a campus tour he was the one that that took me around tour and i was like this is this guy's wonderful this this place is wonderful i'm gonna go here so it's wow. it's, it's great when there's 
somebody there that you could look up to like Lloyd or, um, or Jonathan. I actually had another instructor, Don Nissen, that was there as well, but, um, I don't know if you know Don or not, but, I do, um, yeah. but yeah, so we had, we had, uh, you kind of had a great all around, uh, experience going from SCAD then to the, uh, the Ivy tech and getting more kind of hands-on, uh, graphic design experience there. So have how, and, and what, how have you used that graphic design? You know, what, what kind of, um, work have you done since then? Well, when I started, um, getting into graphic design, I, I remember a conversation I had with Lloyd, who's, who's still a great mentor of mine. And he, I was expressing to him, you know, kind of how I, I like graphic design. I, I do really enjoy doing it, but I don't get the same, uh, quite the same amount of satisfaction and love from it as I do when I'm working in illustration and on my artwork. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's a little bit more challenging to, uh, <laughs> to pay the bills uh, right. sometimes. And he, he, he looked at me and he said, well, why, why can't you do both? Well, you know, why, 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 uh, um, you know, why focus on one when you can do both of them? And, and you know, Lloyd has always done both. Right, <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, so that's what I did. And I, and that would has, that kind of mentality is what's kind of allowed me to, to have this career um, because I keep myself open to working in both fields. I, I have done graphic design for clients, but I also do a lot of illustration work and a lot of artwork for galleries as well. Yeah, that's how how much work are you do you do as far as like illustration work that is commissioned and fine art work that you just do for your own self? I haven't done a lot of commissions. Uh, well, illustration, of course, is always a commission because you're working for a client. And mm-hmm. because of that, illustration is so appealing to me because it has been a way for me to apply uh my fine art skills into a commercial art form um so it allows me to have that wonderful relationship with a client because i really do like working with clients but i also really love drawing so if i can make those two things happen at the same time then i'm very happy yeah well and there's, um, <laughs> there's something to be said for for when you get to do a project on your own with no mm-hmm. with no client and you just say mm-hmm. hey today i think i'm going to draw a bird and you know i see this cardinal sitting on the, on my windowsill or this blue jay and i want to i want to try to draw it and there's no client saying I don't want a blue jay. I want a flamingo. And you're like, there's no flamingos in Indiana. So it's it's hard to be inspired. But there's something, you know, how do you when you look at your ability and you know, just in your everyday life, how often do you find yourself just for fun, you know, maybe just sketching or do you do you find it relaxing? Do you find it kind of a, a um therapeutic to just open the sketchbook and start, you know, drawing? It whatever you know i i absolutely find it therapeutic um however i don't do it enough <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't i don't keep a regular sketchbook nowadays although i do aspire to because i find that when i am just sitting and drawing whatever i like i, th- I think i become a kinder person <laughs> <laughs> i think i become uh i become more positive and my, my outlook is more more chill so it really does have a huge effect on on me um mm-hmm. and and how i 
how I kind of exist in the world when I am creating artwork consistently. Because I have not um, been working in a sketchbook consistently, I find it really hard to fit it into my current schedule. Um, mm. Instead, I focus on participating in gallery exhibitions because if I have a deadline, then it ensures that I'm going to make the time to sit down and make something cool. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something about that, and I think that's a, I don't know, maybe it's a, a graphic designer mentality or an artist mentality of <laughs> of, of uh, having that deadline and knowing you have to hit that. You know, mm-hmm. gotta have this done by Friday, and you you may you know, work on it a little bit here and there. And then Thursday comes and you're like, oh no, I got to get this done tomorrow. <laughs> you know, so there's, <laughs> there's something about having that deadline that really pushes us. And I always right. I always think about it with um, with design as opposed to a fine art is it's um, creativity on demand. Like you mm-hmm. have to force yourself to mm-hmm. be creative on demand. You can't sit around and wait for your muse, like, like some sort of fine artist. You have to come up with a creative solution right then. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So if if you're ever grumpy, if anybody ever encounters Allison and she's in a bad mood, just hand her a, a, <laughs> a sketch pad and a, and a pencil and be like, go, go sit in the corner for about 10 minutes and, and get happier. Sketch something. It's my medicine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Make you a, a kinder person. Let all, let all your students hear that and, uh, and see, see how many sketch bags you get uh, throughout That's the right. semester. <laughs> Well, you're, and you're right, you know, you're, you're now head of the visual communications department mm. and that takes a lot of time and, and, you know, from, um, you know, setting the course schedules and, uh, it's not just teaching. There's so much that goes on the back end that, you know, trying to find time and that this is for anybody that is a creative trying to find time in your day, just the daily life can, can suck away all the time and you don't have that, uh, that moment to, and, and it sometimes takes longer than a moment uh, to, to draw, to sketch, to make music, to whatever it is that's your creative outlet. Uh, we all right. need to try to find that time. So if we have a job, a project that makes us money, and we get to do something fun and creative at the same time. That's why I love my job. I love being a graphic designer. It's it, I get to do something that I love doing and I want to do anyways, and I get paid mm-hmm. for it. So it's 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 a you know you, it's a it's a great marriage of uh, of fun and uh, and work. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> how 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 do you like uh this is you know how do you how do you like teaching you know how how is that you know standing in front of the class and telling them being going from you know you talk about lloyd being your mentor and mm-hmm. uh and i have several of those as well i still stay in contact with i mentioned don nissen earlier i always look to him i always talk to him we're just we've stayed uh friends after after college but um what you know how does that how do you feel that transition is now you're that mentor you're that person that people are looking up to and going you know they're you're going to be talking to them 20 years later and they're going to be like you know allison was my mentor and i look up to her and that's um how's that feel oh it's overwhelming i still can't quite believe like i wake up in the morning and i think oh my gosh i I have to go be a program chair today mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's still it's still a little overwhelming and I can't quite believe it um but I I love teaching I really do I I get so much good energy out of um 
when I entered the classroom. And if I'm having a bad day, if I wake up and I'm just not feeling it, um, I know that all I have to do is show up, <laughs> show up for my students. As soon as I walk in that classroom and I start interacting with my students and listening to what their ideas are and seeing how they're applying their creativity, all of that doubt goes away. All of the, mm -hmm. the discomfort. I'm I'm now in it, and I get so much good energy from them and inspiration as well. Yeah, I I feel the same way when and well, I've been teaching mostly online lately, but when I'm able to teach in front of the classroom, um, mm -hmm. it's there there is an energy that comes from the students, and it also it, it forced me to when I taught, I went back and started teaching the fundamentals of design class it forced me to relearn the fundamentals of design. You know, I know yeah. them and I've been doing yeah. it for 20 plus years, but it's it's great to have that uh, that refresher course and to get up and speak about it and tell them about it and give them real world experience, but also to kind of uh, relearn it myself and so that I can go, oh yeah, I remember this and kind of push my own creativity and seeing the work that they do, you know, it's a, it's a different for me it's a different generation and they have mm -hmm. different ideas and different um, solutions to problems that that i don't have it it helps uh, for without sounding too uh cliche it helps keep keep me young and i can kind of feed <laughs> off of them and feed off of their their energy and their creativity and I, I i really love it i love um you know i love the to, to stand in front of the class and and you know talk about design because i have such a passion for it and uh and and telling them all the different principles of design of contrast and proximity and you know mm -hmm. whatever and trying to i remember being that kid sitting in the seat and and it kind of clicking for me when my instructors were teaching me this and i was just i loved it and to be on the other side of that and have somebody looking in my direction like you said it's overwhelming <laughs> but it's also it's really fun and it's really energizing to be in that position Absolutely. I completely agree. And I, you know, it, I was thinking that same thing when you said how education kind of keeps us young. Um, <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. Um, I very much feel that. Well, and, and the thing is with what we do, and, and maybe this is other fields too, but I can only speak to what I know, is that, you know, we, we go to college and we learn how to paint or we learn how to, you know, and I can only speak for graphic design. I learned how to be a designer, but I never stop learning how to be a graphic designer. Like you have right. to continue to, um, you know, watch you know tutorials online or learn new software or um, listen to podcasts of people talking about mm -hmm. <laughs> creativity and uh, like this one. And um, that's right. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and and really continue to immerse immerse yourself in creativity and whatever new trend is because you could be left behind there are designers that i've met and that have a a look that looks like something from the 90s and it's like well mm. but that's the 90s like it's that's now 30 years removed you know and so unless you're wanting that look like you need to continue to grow and uh, i actually had a i, I met uh, michael beirut at one point and oh, wow. uh, and and talked to him <laughs> about about uh, asked him you know uh, how do you keep your designs, you know, fresh and new and not, and, and he joked uh, about, you know, 
do I? <laughs> you know, do I keep? Because some people would disagree with you. And so I, I thought that was kind of funny of him to say. So, um, but yeah, that's it's a it's it's a continuing education and you know being able to. Uh, it's good. I, I love hearing that you have that passion and that it, it gives you energy to be in front of those students and to give them uh, guidance because it's it's really uh, it's really a fun uh, rewarding task to do. It's it's been really good food for me, uh, absolutely as a creative person. And and you're right. Like I I feel the same way. <laughs> I I constantly have to to educate myself as well. And I think part of being a good educator is also being a good learner, especially in the creative field. Yeah. So what, do you have a favorite or a favorite piece that you've done or a favorite kind of piece that you've done? It's always hard to pick. Is there anything that really sticks out to you that you're like, oh, I'm really proud of this one thing or um, or some sort of, sort of um, I don't know, animal or style or something that you've drawn that you, yeah. you like? Or Let's see. Um, well, I have one older example and one more recent example, I think, of favorite works that I've done. Uh, one, the more recent example is a book that I designed for the Language Conservancy, or sorry, the Lakota Language Consortium, which is its sister organization in Bloomington, Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, it's a book based on um, a recorded story by Ella Deloria, who was a Lakota, French Lakota American linguist back in the 1800s. And she she was a really inspiring person for the time period because she was well-educated and she was uh, fluent in three languages, including the Lakota language. Mm. Um, and she did an incredible amount of field work recording these um, old uh, oral tales that have been passed down by the Lakota people for generations. Mm -hmm. And so because of her work, we, we now have the, the Lakota people and uh, all of us now have access to um, hearing and reading about these stories. So the story that we worked on uh, was a book, um, a story called Turtle Goes to War, which is about this adorable tiny turtle who uh, decides that he's um, going to wage war against this, this uh community of humans and it's it's a very comical story because the turtle is tiny and adorable and the people are uh quite big and intimidating yeah um but that has been one of my favorite projects because the it, it like most mythologies um there's uh there's a, a huge cast of characters and lots of color a lot of um kind of twists and turns in the plot and <laughs> I, I do i love uh, the uh the, the the turtle i was looking at the uh, the yeah. pictures of this and how how colorful and bright and colorful the the turtle is but there's there's a picture on your website of him it looks like he's in the water and you talk about how how expressive animals are and he he's got the biggest smile and he just looks like he's having a great time. I don't know what's happening in the story. I don't know the story, but it's it's a great uh, picture. He just got his his eyes closed and a big smile, and uh, the most expressive turtle I've I've ever seen outside of you know the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was so much fun to draw. Um, so that's probably a, a recent project that I really enjoyed working on, and I just feel so grateful that I was able to work on that with with the LLC. 
Um, an older example that I think really um, kind of solidified my interest in um, cultural representation and travel and in depicting animals was a poster that I worked on while I was in India called Pushkar Camel Fair. Mm -hmm. Pushkar Camel Fair is this annual livestock event that happens out in Rajasthan, which is the state in um, that's mostly desert that's in the uh, the western area of India. Mm -hmm. So west of New Delhi, the capital and it's this incredibly huge livestock festival and you'll see more camels there. I saw more camels there in four days than I will ever see for the rest of my life. <laughs> and there's this amazing, uh, uh, what, what would I call it? It's like a beauty contest for oh, yeah. camels. <laughs> so uh, people will bring their, their prized camels right these very mm -hmm. important animals and they they're the one hemp the one hump camels i can't remember what they're called oh, yeah um but <laughs> not typically an animal that we tend to think of as very beautiful not like a horse anyway right yeah um but they will they will dress these camels up in beautiful like colorful fabrics and shells and pom-poms and bells and just beads and <laughs> these camels are so decked out in decoration that they almost don't look like camels anymore they look like underwater sea creatures like walking yeah. across the desert <laughs> and it, it just i've never i will never see anything like that ever again <laughs> that yeah. was the most one of the most incredible things i've ever seen and just just the amount of pride uh that that these these uh camel herders had in their in in the beauty of the camels was yeah amazing <laughs> well I, I see that i see the uh, the poster that you have created or I, I, you said it was a poster yeah um mm -hmm. and and it's almost you, you almost don't even see the camel you know like because you said there's so much stuff on it <laughs> it kind of reminds me of you know those um adult coloring books that have so much detail in them yeah. and have those, and there's so much detail in this work that you did um, and you can see the the nose of the camel sticking through and his eyes and little ear poking out, but like he's adorned with all of these, um, he or she, uh, I don't, I can't tell the sex of the camel is <laughs> <laughs> adorned with all of the, um, you know, the, the beads and the ribbons yeah. and whatever is, is hanging off of it. And it's, a it's, it's, uh, it's a very kind of, um, I don't want to say whimsical type piece. Like it's it's got lots of uh, lots of like movement and and it it's uh, it's beautiful. It's good work. Thank of you. course it is. That's why I have you on here. I only, <laughs> I only have the best on the podcast. So what 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 continues? What inspires you? What continues? Now we talked about you know obviously being in front of the students gives you a lot of energy and and makes you happy. But is there are there artists out there um, that you artists illustrators um, that you you follow whether it's on Instagram or just checking out their website or somebody you're friends with, um, feel free to say me. No, I'm kidding. Um, but is, <laughs> is there, uh, who is, what, what continues to inspire you and continues to feed that, that creative passion, that creative fire inside of you? Oh, wow. I get, I get inspiration from so many different sources. Um, a lot of them, a lot of my inspiration comes from the people that I meet, but also just seeing uh, what, not only illustrators, but also artists and graphic designers are doing out in the world today. Um, people who are not only creating high quality work, but also work with a social 
purpose of some mm -hmm. kind. So advocating for a certain issue or, um, you know, uh, environmental justice or, or something like that. And so some of the people who come to mind, uh, one is a graphic designer named Sadie Redwing. She is a Lakota a designer, and I can't remember where she's based, but I know that she is a professor at a university and her work is incredible. Um, so for graphic designers out there who are listening, definitely check out Sadie Redwing's work. Uh, yeah. She does a lot of um, a lot of graphic design for uh, just the Native American community, and her focus is on uh, creating graphic design that is representational of real native people uh, mm -hmm. rather than this kind of pan Indianism as she calls it like uh, for me when I started working for the language conservancy and I was looking for inspiration uh, to use in graphic design and illustration for uh, Native American communities I was running into a lot of roadblocks because a lot of the um, the kind of Native American indigenous inspired design out in the world is created by people who don't have, um, who don't do a lot of research and don't really, <laughs> right. don't really understand the significance of a lot of the imagery that we associate with indigenous and Native American communities. So mm -hmm. things like feathers and headdresses and and you know wolves wolves howling at moons and you know, right. there's a lot of that imagery out there so Sadie Redring is somebody who I really look up to because she she really cares a lot about research and she cares very much about um, creating socially responsible design that you know is really tailor-made for the community that she's working with so she's one person who I really love yeah. another person uh, an illustrator in this case, whose work I adore, and she is just an incredible person, is Carson Ellis. She is an illustrator based in Oregon, mm -hmm. and she's a mom. She's also like uh, a landowner. She has like this farm with a bunch of rescued goats and llamas, <laughs> and her she has this incredibly uh, fun and playful approach to creativity. Um, so if you're looking for somebody who can inspire you and give you some playful prompts to draw from, I, I would recommend following her on Instagram because she she posts these uh, these really fun prompts um, every Tuesday, I believe. And she will also post and share how she responds to the prompt, but then how some of her followers have responded as well. Oh, that's really fun. Um, yeah, it is very, very fun. That's that's something that. I, I like, and we try to do here on this podcast is uh, is to give people um, kind of a a prompt or a task or something to do at the end of each episode and tell them like to to help them build their creativity because you could sit here and you could look at other people's artwork and you can you know listen to people talk about it and whatnot. But if you're given a directive, kind of like we were talking about earlier, when a client gives you something, you know, a deadline or wants you to do something, it it gives you a, a push in that direction to to do something. So that's very cool. I'll have to look her up and see. I love the world of of Instagram for art. And, yes. uh, you know, we we have this amazing ability now um, that we can we can find just the most obscure person, somebody that's, whether it's somebody who's known or somebody that's just a nobody that's just doing some really cool artwork and they happen to hashtag it something that you really like and you find it. Mm -hmm. um, 
and you can really find some great artwork. I follow all kinds of, and I can't even name their names right now. I follow so many different artists on my on my art Instagram page that I just love scrolling through it and seeing the way, and it's different different styles too. There's people who do these really intricate, uh, you know, portrait drawings, and then there's people who just throw paint at a, a canvas, you know, and like yeah. I love I love all of it. I love seeing the the way that everybody can do their own art and create uh, create something express themselves so it's it's uh it's really great to be able we have these uh little computers in our pockets that can show us the world i i love it i get a lot of inspiration from it um absolutely and i think it just kind of shows how you know the art world within it there's a place for everyone everyone has the right to create and mm -hmm. you know should should have access to be able to curate and how you you know, it doesn't need to be like a Wacom Cintiq that you're working with. It can be cardboard and and some Sharpies, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It can be very low tech. And can, yeah, you can create from a, a pencil and a piece of paper, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is are there any projects, I know you're, you're diving head deep into uh, being the program chair, but are there any projects, whether associated with that or outside of it, that you're you're currently working on or looking forward to working on? Oh, um, so this time of year, I tend to participate in a lot of uh, exhibitions in Indiana. So um, just a heads up for anybody who is living in Bloomington or near Spencer, Indiana, Juniper Art Gallery in Spencer yeah. uh, is going to be having their um, their regional artist, fall artist exhibit uh, here in October. I believe it's on October 22nd. Um, which is on a Saturday, I believe. And uh, this gallery has it just, it's an incredible gallery. Uh, the artists who participate in these exhibitions, the, the, the quality of their work is in so inspiring. Yeah. Um, and if you're interested in nature and animals and you, lo you love artwork, I would recommend checking out that reception. So, so that's one thing I have coming up and then some other exhibitions as well. When you when you participate in these exhibitions, do you mm -hmm. are you creating new work for them or are you just yeah, read you know, displaying uh previous work that you've done before? I always create new work. Um I feel I I really don't like the idea of displaying work that is any older than a, than a year or two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I I tend to and I think that's really, for me, part of, I know that if I'm going to be participating in exhibitions and I'm creating new work, then that is my, then I know I'm creating new work and I'm keeping myself uh, fed in that way. And I'm, I'm sitting down at my desk and I'm experimenting maybe with some new materials or some new concepts or content. When you, when you go into this, uh, uh, have you have you already created your work that you've uh, put into this show? I have, yes. I, I, I won't I won't get in. You know, I don't want to ruin a surprise. If you want to keep it a surprise, but how do you when you go into creating something like this? Do you have already a vision of what you want to create, or do you start with like a sketch pad and you kind of start sketching ideas, and then you move to a canvas, or how how do you how, what's your um, your method? Well, the first thing that I do is I look back on past work that I've made most recently, and I try and identify um, what I really enjoyed from doing in that work. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And that's usually my focus for the next project is, um, you know, what did I really enjoy making during that time? What made it really fun? And I want to do more of that. At the same time, I also think about, you know, what what mediums am I working with that I want to continue using and and what do I want to play with that's new? Uh, So right now uh, for this recent exhibition with Juniper Gallery, I made, uh, I decided to work with gouache because I've been really getting into gouache lately. Uh, It's such a fun medium to play with. So that's what I did. As far as content goes, um, it, yeah, kind of depends on what my interests are at the time. I've been really into birds lately. (laughs) So (laughs) I've I've been drawing and painting a lot of birds. Uh, But a lot of times inspiration for me comes from making the artwork itself. So you, you brought up the the idea how for designers, we can never wait for inspiration to strike. We just have to jump in. And I, I take the same approach when it comes to uh, creating paintings and working in my sketchbook. I just jump in, I just start. Because mm-hmm. usually I know that if I'm, so long as I'm actively working and creating something, an idea is gonna come eventually mm-hmm. uh, and, I, I I try not to worry about it. <laughs> well, and 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 not to sound like uh, I don't know, maybe this sounds silly, but you know, sometimes you, um, for myself, when I'm creating art, uh, I mm-hmm. kind of, uh, without sounding silly, I let the canvas kind of speak to me, and where I I get the canvas and I don't know what I'm going to create, and I just start. I think, okay, you know what? I like this color. I just, you know, I pull this color out and I go, I'm just going to put this across the whole background and then I'll start from there and see what happens. And, you know, I, I create a, a base and then from there I can kind of see or kind of feel what the emotion is of that color and what I want to do with that. And I've, I've done that with, I didn't start doing that when I started painting, but when I, you know, recently the last few pieces I've done, that's what I started with. I don't know what I want to do because usually I would start by creating it in Illustrator. Uh, on the computer. I, I wouldn't sketch, I'd do Illustrator. And then mm-hmm. I would move to the canvas. And so I would just start by just creating a color and then go, okay, what does this feel like? What do I see here? And then just kind of start going from there and adding layers on top of it. And you know, to your point of just like, you just gotta jump in and just start creating. And if I sit there and I, I could drive myself crazy trying to come up with the perfect <laughs> design or the perfect look or whatever that art is gonna be, if I can just start, you know, it's it's when you're sitting in front of a blank canvas, there's mm-hmm. that there's that mental block that just can sometimes just paralyze you. And you you don't wanna, you know, touch that canvas. You don't wanna put pencil on it or I don't know if, if maybe that's just me. Do you ever get that where you have just a blank canvas, you're kinda like, I don't know what to do. And so I feel like if I just, if I just, ruin, not ruin it, but I start it, <laughs> just put a color on it, then I can't mess it up. Right. Well, I think that I, I agree. And I think that creating art in a way is a bit of a reactive process because you're, you're never marking a line. You're never creating a line on paper or on canvas on its own. It's always in reaction to uh, what is already there. So I think your 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 idea of letting a canvas speak to you, I I I think I do something similar to that. Where uh, anytime that I'm staring at a blank piece of paper, I just start, <laughs> and 
usually that first line that you lay down or that first mark that you make is the hardest part is, is you know, again, it's about showing up and just kind of make, forcing yourself to get over the hurdle of starting. Once you get over that, uh, the rest is easier and it becomes more fun and less yeah. scary. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I usually end each one of these with the question of, um, and this is you know a little more personal for you because you do speak in front of a class. But the question I always ask my guests is if you're speaking to a class of creatives, like you probably do mm -hmm. every day, <laughs> if you're speaking to a class of creatives and whether it's illustrators, whether it's painters, whether it's um, photographers or whatever, um, what kind of advice would you give them you know, to continue being creative or, you know, whatever, uh, to keep that, uh, creativity burning, what kind of, what kind of advice do you give them? So one of the things that I really struggled with, uh, when I was, I, anytime I give somebody advice, I, I, I spend a few minutes looking back at younger Allison and, <laughs> and, you know, kind of identifying w what she was strong at and, and what she wasn't very strong at and what she failed at. And one of the things that I struggled with a lot was um, not only learning, I, I was always very good at saying yes to a project because I was very eager and I, I love this work and I wanted to do it. However, I wasn't always, um, uh, I wasn't very good at saying no to work. And I think that for a lot of young designers, saying yes is really important to projects. Not only saying yes, but also being ready, um, you know, preparing yourself, doing the research for a project, doing your homework, doing your homework, excuse me, showing up um, and, and making sure that you're doing the work, making sure that you have the time to do it. Uh, but saying no, uh, for me, was something that I, I had to learn over time because at a certain point, if the work that you're doing is of a high quality and, if, you know, over time, hopefully what's happening is more and more people are coming to you and asking you to work, work on projects with them. And you're going to have to start to make decisions about who can I say yes, who can I afford to say yes to, and who can I say no to? And I think that that's because I, for me, a struggle that I have is that I take too much on. So <laughs> it's been, for me, something that I've really had to learn. And I think a lot of students as well have, will have to um, become very honest with themselves about, you know, how much are they capable of creating and finishing in a certain time frame. Yeah, I think that's a a common thread with at least with especially with new artists new graphic designers is mm -hmm. you're so hungry and you yes. need you need the work so anything that comes your way you say yes 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 and at some point you got to look at your bandwidth and say i can't get this done in time or or you can it, once you start getting enough work you have the luxury of saying i don't want to do that you know that that job yes. doesn't bring me joy this one over here does whether it pays, you know, if it pays the same, you, you can make that decision a lot easier. Even if it pays less, I enjoy doing this when I don't enjoy doing that. And you have the luxury of, of saying no. And it's, it's difficult to say no. I have that problem too. I've been, you know, being, I've been uh, in the marketing and uh, advertising world for 20 plus years. And I still have a very hard time telling clients no when they ask for something, uh, unless it's ridiculous, obviously, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, you know, okay, we're not gonna pay you anything and we want it tomorrow. Okay, great. You know, but, um, <laughs> but no, we, 
it is it's a very uh, that's a that's great advice because it's it's you know when we're creating something for ourselves it doesn't matter if it takes us a week or it takes us two years to get it done as long as we're having fun doing it and we we enjoy creating but a client is going to want something done at a certain time well you say yes to one client and i've learned something i've had to learn is when you're sitting across the table from a client and they're asking you to do a project in a vacuum you go yeah that sounds great i can do that but then when you get back to the office or in front of your computer or whatever your medium was that you're, you're doing um you're out of that vacuum and you now have 10 other clients that want things as well when you're in front of that right. one client you have that one client's focus and you're like yeah i can do that but you have to remember there's all these other ones that you have to do so it is mm -hmm. it that is that is great advice to be able to you know obviously say yes to projects but know which ones you need to say no to as well that's great right and it takes it takes practice and it takes time and mm. i think that young graphic designers young creatives of any profession need to be patient with themselves and pay attention um, to how they are doing with each project so looking back and being an instructor being kind of taking my role looking at their own work you know mm -hmm. looking at their own work and giving themselves critical feedback and what they can improve on and what they did well for the future yeah absolutely well allison thank you so much for joining us today i appreciate you taking the time to uh, to be on the podcast if anybody is interested in seeing allison's uh illustrations you can go to ajhorner.com uh, h o r n e r.com you can see you can see the camel the uh the the beautiful camel and uh, the birds and the turtles and uh, everything in between <laughs> It's it's some fantastic work and I hope I hope you all check it out. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dustin. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Each week on Create Talk Repeat, I want to leave you with some creative task or inspiration. Something to get your creative juices flowing. So this week, I want you to take 10 minutes each day and just grab a piece of paper and a pencil and sketch. It could be anything you want it to be. Just commit to doing this every day for at least five days. Create a space for you in your daily life to just stop and do something creative. So often we say, oh, I wish I had the time to do that. Because let's face it, all our lives are hectic and busy. But if we can just steal a few moments here and there, maybe it's over your lunch break or after you put the kids to bed we can start to feed that creative desire that is within all of us. I hope this helps you on your creative journey. Thanks for listening to Create, Talk, Repeat. Create Talk Repeat is a Brenton Creative production. Created and hosted by me, Dustin Brenton. Development and brainstorming assistance by Darren Caldwell. Music by Creative Culture. Follow us on Facebook at Create Talk Repeat or visit our website at createtalkrepeat.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.